crazy guy, I guess from Montana, and he was out uh, scouting for elk. So this is his story, uh, word for word of what he wrote. Hi everybody, thought I w- should share yesterday morning's grizzly incident. Play on words there. I took an early morning hike into the Madison Valley to scout for elk. Knowing that bears are common throughout the southwest Montana, I hollered out, hey bear! every 30 seconds or so as to not surprise any bears along the trail. After three miles in, I stepped out into an open meadow and hollered again. A few more steps and I spotted a sow grizzly bear with cubs on the trail at the upper end of the meadow. Did you guys hear the story yet? Anyway, that's foreshadowing. Um, A few more steps, he saw the bear. The sow saw me right away and ran a short Uh, and they ran a short distance up the trail. But suddenly she turned and charged straight my way. I yelled a number of times so she knew I was human and would hopefully turn back, but no such luck. Within a couple seconds, she was nearly on me. I gave her a full charge of bear spray at about 25 feet. Her momentum carried her right through the orange mist and onto me. I went, to my, uh, I went to my face into the, or went to my face into the dirt and wrapped my arms around the back of my neck for protection. She was on top of me, biting my arms, shoulders, and backpack. The force of each bite was like a sledgehammer with teeth. She would uh, stop for a few seconds and then bite again, over and over. After a couple of minutes, but what seemed like forever, she disappeared. Stunned, I carefully picked myself up. I was alive and able to walk, so I headed back down the trail towards the truck three miles below. As I half hiked and jogged down the trail, I glanced at my injuries. I had numerous bleeding puncture wounds on my arms and shoulder, but I knew I would survive and thank God for getting me through this. I hoped the bleeding wasn't too significant. I really didn't want to stop to dress the wounds. I wanted to keep moving and put distance between us. About five or 10 minutes down the trail, I heard a sound. And I turned to find the grizz bearing down on me at 30 feet. She either followed me back down the trail or cut through the trees and randomly came out the trail right behind me. Whatever the case, she was instantly on me again. I couldn't believe this was happening a second time. Like, why me? I was so lucky the first attack, but now I questioned if I'd survived the second. Again, I protected the back of my neck with my arms and I I kept tight against the ground to protect my face and eyes. She slammed down on top of me and bit my shoulder and arms again. One bite on my forearm went right through to the bone and I heard the crunch. My, my, My hand instantly went numb and wrist and fingers were limp and unusable. The sudden pain made me flinch and gasp for breath. Don't gasp because the sound triggered a frenzy of bites to my shoulder and upper back as soon as he gasped. I knew I couldn't move or make a sound again, so I huddled motionless. Another couple bites to my head and a gash opened up above my ear, near, uh, nearly scalping me. The blood rush gushed over my face and into my eyes. I couldn't move. I didn't move. 
I thought this was the end. She would eventually hit an artery in my neck, I would think, and I, I was going to bleed out on the trail. But I, I knew that moving would trigger more bites, so I laid motionless, hoping it would end. She suddenly stopped and just stood on top of me. I will never forget the brief moment. Dead silence, except for the sound of her heavy breathing and sniffing. I could feel her breath on the back of my neck, just inches away. I could feel her front claws digging into my lower back, below my backpack where she stood. I could smell the terrible pungent odor she emitted. For 30 seconds, she stood there crushing me. My chest was smashed into the ground and forehead into the dirt. When would, this, when would the next onslaught of biting begin? I didn't move. And then she was gone. I tried to peek out without moving, but my eyes were full of blood and I couldn't see. I thought that if she came back a third time, I would be dead. So I had to do something. Staying in position on the ground, I slowly reached under my chest to grab at the pistol I was unable to get earlier. So obviously this didn't happen in Canada. It's got a gun. Um, we just carry whistles and stuff. Um, I, I felt I needed something to save my life. The pistol wasn't there. I groped around again, nothing. I wiped the blood from one eye and looked around, no bear. The pistol and holster were lying five feet to my left. The bear's ferocious bites and pulling had ripped the straps from the pack and the holster attached to it. Now trash, the backpack may have uh, helped prevent many more serious bites on my back and spine. I picked everything up, moved down the trail. I couldn't believe I had survived two attacks. Double lucky. Blood was still dripping off my head, both elbows, my shirt soaked to the waist and my pants, but a quick assessment told me I could make it another 45 minutes to the truck without losing too much blood. I continued the, uh, to jog, just wanting to put more distance between the sow and I. At the trailhead was another vehicle, and I really hoped the person didn't run into the same bear. I snapped, this is so funny. This is only a guy from Montana. Um, I snapped a couple quick photos and a video of my wounds, laid some jackets over the truck seat, and headed for town. I stopped a rancher along the way and asked him to make a call to the hospital. When I got into cell service, I made a quick call to my girlfriend and asked her how her morning was going. <laughs> I love this. Before freaking her out and asking her to bring me a change of clean clothes to the hospital. Another call to 911 and I gave the operator a quick rundown of my injuries and asked her to call the hospital to give them a heads up uh, that I was 10 minutes out. So it continues to go on and, and on and on. But uh, the, if, I know you're curious now. You're going to go to YouTube after church, if you aren't right now, and you want to see this guy. It's unbelievable. So this is a true story that happened just at the beginning of this month. But when I thought about this story, one of the things that just blew me away out of many things is that they, they have this ferocious grizzly on your back. He felt it through the sharp, sharp pangs of pain that came through the claws of the grizzly. Not only that, he heard a and he felt and smelt the breath of power that held the keys for him of life and death. Of life and death. I couldn't help but think of another case that C.S. Lewis had penned where he depicted God as a lion in The Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe. And Aslan is the lion, and Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, 
I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall rather feel nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. And he's the king. He's the king, I tell you. Today, I want us to dig a little deeper. Last week, we talked and did a hybrid sermon on if God calls, he enables. And most of that was Ken's ideas, Pastor Ken. And um, when he said that, within seconds, I said, what you're preaching on that? And I just said, well, I'm gonna preach on if God calls, he also empowers. So he said, if God calls, he enables from Numbers chapter 13 and Exodus. And today I wanna look at not only does he enable, but he even goes beyond that. And he empowers us to do stuff that is way beyond us. He empowers us to do stuff that is impossible for us to do. If God calls, he empowers. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you that we're all here. We're thankful that we um, get to spend time together and uh, sit in tutelage of your word, which is, is good. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. We ask that you'd give us a glimpse of your power. I mean, if a grizzly, if a lion can exude this much power, you are the creator. You are the one much more majestic than Mount Baker. You are the one that's much more powerful than the grizzly. You are the one that's much more jealous for us than the sow grizzly for her cups. So Lord, open your word and open our hearts to receive your word and be changed by it this morning. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So we're gonna be looking at the book of Acts a little bit. And sometimes, especially as a kid, I didn't really understand why Acts. So many cool names out there of churches and stuff and Acts is just Acts, A-C-T-S, like that. But Acts is really an, the Acts of the Apostles, the first disciples. So when they were, when the Holy Spirit came, all of a sudden all sorts of stuff happened and it's kind of like the church planting manual. What happened when a, a motley crew uh, not only spent time with Christ, but when he ascended and went up to high, he sent his Holy Spirit. And now, with that kind of power, it records the acts or the actions of the disciples. So you're going to join me in, um, in Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 6 to 9. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Because he had just risen from the grave, like some cool stuff had happened. I mean, they were devastated because in the garden they fell asleep and, they, and all sorts of emotions going on. He was taken away. He was beaten. He was crucified. He was laid dead in the tomb. Three days later, he rose again. So now they got their savior, their teacher, their rabbi back. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. I underline authority because I really think that's a big one that we have to deal with, especially in North America these days. Nobody tells me what to do. Nobody tells me what to do. Our youth struggle with this big time too. I notice that a lot of times we struggle with that word authority. We all want authority over our own lives. And I think that's when we run into trouble. So here he goes, but remember last week I said, pay attention to the B-U-T's. I love it. But you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And by the way, power is kind of dynamos. It's where we get dynamite from, T and T. So 
but you will receive TNT power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These guys are looking for turn water into wine. We want a finger on the wall. And he says, actually, the power of God will be seen through you. Through you. Through all of you. That's where we're going to see the power of God. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. That to me is also an amazing verse because if you can imagine, we call this the, the ascension. So there he's teaching his disciples and then all of a sudden he starts going up and he's enveloped by a cloud. And I wonder if I was there, would I be one of those guys that would be sitting there staring up into the cloud till the sun goes down and in the morning you'd wake up and you look, Steve's still looking up in the cloud going, what happened here? You know what I mean? Some of us are cloud gazers. We're wondering what in the world happened. But these guys now have been, been mobilized. And we know that when Christ went, he promised to send the Holy Spirit of God, which is part of the Godhead. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So Christ's finished work on the cross, he ascends, and now he makes the Holy Spirit available only to pastors. Are you paying attention? <laughs> to everyone. Everyone who has a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's not some kind of formula. It's not like that you become a Christian and then you've got to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. No way, my friends. When you give your life to Christ, receive his authority, what he's done on the cross, you have the Holy Spirit available to you. I love it. The Holy Spirit is available to each and every one of us. There's power in this relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. So for many weeks, we've been exploring um, where there is um, vision, there's unlimited life. So where there's limited vision, there's limited life. And Ken came up with that. When he said it, he meant one sermon. And I was going, what? I went to my office, came out. I said, I came up with about nine sermons. He kind of looked at it going, what? So we both whetted each other. But it's been fun, hasn't it? We know that when we have limited vision, we have a limited life. We've gone through all sorts of exciting passages like short-sighted vision, short-circuits life. If you, want to walk, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat because we realized that the safest place to be wasn't on land, wasn't in the boat, but it was actually in the storm with Christ. With Christ. Or, like I said before, uh, if God calls, he enables. And today we want to see if God calls, he also empowers. Today we're going to see that we are called, we are empowered, and we are witnesses. So we're going to see that with God, we are called, we are empowered, and we are witnesses. So even sometimes when you get this idea in your head that you know, you're not a very good evangelist, that's not what I'm talking about here. You are a witness. When you have a relationship with Christ... Even if you're doing horrible right now, if you're, if, you're, you, if you're hiding sin in your life, you're still being a witness. Might not be a great witness, but you're still a witness. So we are called, we are empowered, and we are witnesses. Matthew 28, which you know, and a lot of people, when you hear the Great Commission, this is what they're talking about, Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and he said, there's that A word again. All, go ahead. You didn't say that with much authority. All, thank you, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
and teaching them to obey, which is really quite linked to authority again. Yeah. Obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That last statement there kind of points back to our dynamos. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. There, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Even when he says, and surely I am. We know that that I am is a chubby statement found in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament where it's talking about God. How do I even address God? Say, I, I am has sent you. So Jesus is given the marching orders. I am with you to the very end of the age. So we have some incredibly powerful verses here. In Luke chapter 24, it says, And he told them, This is what is written, The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Going back to Acts chapter 1 verse 8, which is where we really want to center on today, you can almost look at it as a table of contents when he says, you will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Jerusalem, small, right where they are. And then Judea's province, right? Samaria, who's that? People we don't like. Half-breeds to these folks. Enemies out there and to the very ends of the earth. And sometimes we get this mixed up thinking, okay, there's an order here. First, we're going to be witnesses here. And then we're going to be witnesses here. And then we're going to be witnesses in our province. And then there's none of that. It says, and, 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 and. We're witnesses wherever we go. We're witnesses wherever we go. So first thing we got to see is, A, that we're called. We're called. Now, this is going to be really simple for you, and maybe you'll go, wow. He's, you know, we pay him for this, but it's so simple, is that we're called. Your first calling is to a relationship with Jesus Christ. You were created to connect with God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is everybody's first calling. That is everybody's first calling. Yet to all who did receive him, to those he believed, who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. We know from Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned. Every one of us. Doesn't matter who you are. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. So I don't have to be better than you or have a better resume than Craig over here. It doesn't matter how good you think you are. It's based on the merit of Jesus Christ alone. That's why he died and rose again to cover your sin, your penalty. And then Romans continues to go on to say, and the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you want to work it out, if you want to do good works, if you want to help old ladies across the street and think, God, you see that? He goes, fine. Your wage is still death. Because what is it that I give you? Not a wage, because you don't deserve it. It is a gift. It's a gift. A gift of God. So this is incredible because we got to realize that our very first calling, the very first thing that we are called to is through a relationship with God. 
And sometimes we get that messed up. And let me go on to your second calling, which is very connected to your first calling. Your second calling is this. Walk in response to your first calling. Walk in response to your first calling. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, mercies, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper act of worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So here you know your first calling is he's calling you to a relationship to himself, and now he's saying, respond. Live that out. Years ago, I talked to a little soccer club. I mean, years ago. I don't know, 20 years ago. And I sat there and I said to myself, what in the world do these kids need to hear from me? And one of the things that I said then that I think is very relevant now, I said to these little soccer players, are you soccer players that happen to be Christians or Christians that happen to be soccer players? I don't want a room full of preachers or pastors. I want you on the job site. I want you in the hospital. I want you at the nursing home. God wants you in investments. God, but are you an investor that happens to be a Christian or a Christian that happens to... What is your first calling? Now do it well to the glory of God. I mean, it would be so sad if all of us just worked in the church and you guys weren't out there because how in the world would people taste and see that the Lord is good? You are called, first of all, to a relationship with Christ. And then you do your vocation and do it well to the glory of God. Do I get an amen or no? Amen. Thank you. So we're, first of all, we're called. And then he says from Acts chapter 8, 1 verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So this is absolutely incredible because he's saying that you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you and you will be my disciples. You will be my testimonies. You will be my story to a hurting and broken world. So this again is incredible because he's saying that part of the power of the Godhead is living in you. So wherever you go, when you go down, downtown to Wally or whatever, when you go down to East Side, God is there because you're there. You have a relationship with Christ. When you're teaching at WRCA, Christ is there. When you're in the nursing home, Christ is there. We underestimate that this authority even, we're not talking about fathead authority here. We're talking about God has given us the Holy Spirit so where we walk, the presence of Christ walks. So there is incredible authority and incredible accountability, don't you think? The power of the Holy Spirit is where you are. The power of the Holy Spirit is where you are. It's kind of like this. I forgot my glove at home, so luckily we had somebody resourceful in here today. But here, I know it's kind of simple, but it's kind of like this. This glove, it's lovely. It's whatever, but it's absolutely useless until it is owned, until it is empowered by something. And how many of us are kind of like this glove? We're just sitting here floppy. We've got no power in our lives. And this glove only becomes useful when my hand empowers it. Now this glove can do all sorts of stuff. 
But without it, it's quite useless. It looks lovely. I mean, hey, wow, check this out. But it's absolutely useless until it's possessed by a power. And a lot of us are like that too. Hey, you guys look lovely. You're looking great today. But when's the last time that you sense the power of the Holy Spirit coming and owning you and helping you to live a life that gives God glory? To do things beyond your power. To bring glory to God by some stuff that you've said, relationships that you've made, or actions that you've done. And this is what he's kind of saying right here, that each one of us, each one of us, everybody here, I don't care how old you are, if you have a relationship with Christ, you have this available to you, that the power of the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life, to do stuff in your life, and to do stuff through you. You will receive power. Acts 1.8, it's key here to begin with that explains the power of the church comes from the Holy Spirit and not from people. Zechariah, it's a book in the Old Testament, says, then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. If you're in a situation where you're over your head, great. It's not about your fantastic connections, your education. It's not about going to another resource seminar. If you're in over your head in parenting, at work, you're feeling overwhelmed at school, I don't know what it is. Maybe this verse is for you. This is the word of God too. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So guys, we're called First of all, we're called to a relationship with him and then we're called to live in response to that. And then secondly, we have this power given to us. The Holy Spirit resides in us. But thirdly, we are his witnesses. We are his witnesses. And witness to me is incredible. But let me stick to my notes here. Acts 1 verse 8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So witness, when I look in the dictionary, it says something like uh, testimony, witness, uh, attesting of a fact or an event, one that gives evidence, specifically, uh, one who testifies in a cause or before a judicial tribunal, one asked to be present at a transaction so as to be able to testify to its having taken place, one who has personal knowledge of something, something serving as evidence or proof, public affirmation by word or example of usually religious faith or conviction okay so that that's the that's the definition of witness and he says here you will be my witness and i love it because what's really important here this is not just a textbook you guys this is actually witness accounts so when paul writes he's not just paid to be a textbook writer he was a witness of what was going on by the power of God. So now, you guys, this is not just some humdrum book. This is actually written by personalities. The Holy Spirit empowered these guys to write what they saw. So these are people that experienced the power of God. People that were shoulder to shoulder with Jesus Christ. That saw him ascend. So they're writing this stuff down. And then all of a sudden, my mom comes along thousands of years later and she has witnessed the power of God. So she comes to Stevie, that'd be me, and, and, and introduces him 
to Jesus Christ. And then I come and I'm going, well, why isn't there water to wine? Why isn't there? Well, guess what? I've seen an Alan turn back or turn his back on all sorts of stuff and come to Christ. And I had all sorts of people telling me yesterday, they have no words because right there's a miracle. Right there's a miracle. Right there's a miracle. Right there's a miracle. Are we paying attention? Are we paying attention? So the witnessing is incredible, but it's not just witnessing as in, do you know what to say? But who you are as a witness, what you're a part of is a witness. And yeah, you've got to loose your tongue sometimes and be, be ready to share your experiences, but the story of God is yours. God working through you. And now when you're out and about as a plumber, as a home care person, or whatever you do, taxi driver, you get to be the witness of Christ to folks because you have experienced that. You have seen God work. You are a witness to what he has done. You know the word testimony or witness occurs 130 times in 122 verses in the Bible. Or witness is a key word in the book of Acts and is used 29 times as either a verb or a noun. And here's something you probably don't want to hear is our English word martyr comes from the Greek word translated witness. Yeah. And many of God's people have sealed their witness by laying down their lives for Christ. Did you get that? So this was a really cool, inspiring sermon until he went off on the whole martyr thing, right? So in life and in death, when we realize our calling, when we realize the power, and we realize that in every situation you are a witness of the power of God displayed in your life. How are some ways that we can be a witness? I love uh, First or Second Timothy 4 verse 12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. So whatever you do, don't let people look down or be condescending because you're young or whatever stage of life you're in, but set an example in speech, how you talk, your conversation, in life, your everyday stuff, your parenting, your work. Are you work on time? Are you work like crazy? Are you one of the best workers at work? In speech, in life, in love, you realize that our, 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 our culture is enamored with all sorts of cheap love, lust. And when they come across somebody that just wants to love on you with no strings attached, but they're empowered by Christ, faith, and impurity. That's one of the ways, or those are some of the ways in which we can be a witness. Those are some of the ways we can be a witness. Going back to Matthew chapter 28, the, the Great Commission, when he says, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing there. One of the things he's saying to us as witnesses that are empowered from Acts chapter one, verse eight, he says, go and make disciples. When he says go, that's not just a suggestion. It's just not something to do on a Friday night. Go is an imperative. An imperative is a command. And what I like is when you really study that word, really what it means translated is in your going. In your going. And I love it because in the old days, this dates me a bit, but in the old days we didn't have power steering. So when you wanted to move that truck, you better start driving the truck and then you can actually steer. If you actually stayed in park and tried to turn the wheel, 
impossible. And that's kind of what it's saying. Get moving, and in your going, you will be my witness. You will be my disciple maker. So now, I love this because he's saying, so in your coaching, in your building, in your musicianship, in your parenting, you're going, be my witness. Make disciples as you're going. Make disciples as you're going. Whatever you're doing, be a witness. He goes, go and make disciples. And really what that means is uh, duplicate yourself. So you're hanging out with Christ and with other people. I had this chat with somebody just last night at the wedding. I just said, yeah, it's interesting because I think sometimes we're, we're called to hold the hand of God and hold the hand of people as a witness. Hold the hand of God, had the, hold the hand of your child. Hold the hand of God, hold the hand of somebody at work. Because so many folks, you guys, in Canada, we're called post-Christian. We don't care, we don't know, we don't believe. So we are, we are such a thirsty environment. We need people that understand their calling, that understand the power available to them and are ready, and are ready to be witnesses. So just quickly, and I'll end with this, is in something like this, when he says to go make disciples, there's kind of comes down to this. You tell somebody or you hang out with people and then you show someone how to do it and then you oversee them doing it and then you empower them to do it again. Does that make sense? So first of all, you tell somebody, so you share life with people and then secondly, you show them, so you hang out with them to the point where they actually see you being a witness for Christ and then they will feel empowered to do the same thing and you can actually watch them do it, share their faith or share their life with somebody and then they start doing it to other people and it's just a big snowball effect. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria, Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So I got a couple questions for you. Is your life characterized by vision and by life? Or is it characterized by nearsightedness and lack of life? Do you sense the calling of God in your life? And do you feel enabled? Do you sense the empowering? Folks, who you are, what Christ has made you, I hope that you realize you're incredible calling and that you house the power of the Holy Spirit and you are like it or not you are a witness you're called you're empowered now continue to be his witness in whatever you're doing in your going be my witness and make disciples if God calls empowers. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And I would ask, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to realize this, help us to walk in authority, not in our authority, but in the authority of Christ. Like in a post-Christian environment, people have been burnt by the church. People have poor taste in their mouth with religiosity. Uh, people may not have heard it, 
So when we go out and about, be that shopping, be that at our jobs, be that in parenting, be that in a walk, and we actually have this vibrant relationship with Christ, we get to be witnesses of the calling and the power of what Christ has done in my life. And Lord, I'm so convinced that most everybody would love to hear and be refreshed by a real-time, real-life story of the power of God changing our lives. So help us, Lord, to live out loud. Help us to realize that if you're going to call us, you will empower us. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Justify the sin of that